And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Oh, what a big day today. JT in studio here with Bobby as we're coming to you live from Lotus Broadcasting, the flagship of the Silver and Black. And hopefully you're listening on that Raiders mobile app as we're brought to you by our great friends from Golden Entertainment. They own Arizona Charlie's. They own PT's. They own Sierra Gold, Sean Patrick's, the SG Bar. They own the Stratosphere. And they own my monologue as they've been launching this monologue for many, many years. Go to the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, as PTs has you ready for all the big sporting events, including UNLV football. If you choose to watch, if you don't go, if you want to watch, watch locally with over 60 taverns in town as we open up the show. We're also happy to welcome our friends from Wahoo's Fish Taco in studio today. They're going to feed the crew. They're coming in today, and we're excited about that. Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5 Sports Director in about 15 minutes. Phil Villapiano at the bottom of the hour. And longtime NASCAR driver and champion, Kirk Busch from Vegas is going to join us today, which was a nice surprise. I talk more than the Raiders. I talk sports. I'm a sports talk host. That's what I do. So every once in a while, you're going to get a Golden Knight. You're going to get an NASCAR driver, an NBA player, a college football coach. They're going to be in this show, but we're going to be powered by the Raiders, especially with the Raiders coming off a win. I need like one of those 16-ounce black coffees now. We should have a coffee sponsor. How do we not? I was up very early today. I did a deep dive and sat down and interviewed John Gruden. I interview him every Thursday morning. Also, COVID test day today. Coming off 60-plus thousand at Allegiant Stadium. Oh, nothing. Going to Gary Clark Saturday night at the Joint at Virgin. And then all the other shenanigans that were going on in town as my wife and I had a late, 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 late Monday night after that victory. So that was an interesting test result to wait for. And it came back negative as the as Brian Sandoval, uh, the former governor, tested positive a couple of days ago. And that's the biggest story up in Reno, which is in the state here with us. We wish the former governor nothing but a quick recovery, which I'm sure he'll have. So here's what we're doing. Whenever I go see Coach Gruden and sit down with him, I have no idea what I'm going to get. We know each other a long time. we got a great relationship and friendship at times. But he was coming off a 1-0 victory. I wanted to make sure that we captured that. We did. And then we got into the game that's coming up, and there's a lot of injuries around the Raiders. We talked about that. I mean, he can't – guys aren't just healthy. They're not. And it's going to be a big story this year with the Raiders because right out of the gate, if you think about what we talked about all summer long, it was quiet. It was very quiet. And I brought it up often. Guys were healthy. Guys showed up. The team's 100% vaccinated. How great is that? A lot of things happening, and then boom, they play one game. The quarterback's hurt in Mariota. Richie Incognito, hopefully, is getting better. It doesn't look like he's ready to go. We know that Denzel Good is gone for the year. Gerald McCoy is gone for the year. Josh Jacobs' toe, whatever's happening there, and here we go again. Here we go again. So I'm not being a glasses-half-empty guy. They're 1-0. I'm thrilled with that victory. I think that victory they had against Baltimore could be the key between 9 and 10 wins. Could be the difference between playoffs or not. The Baltimore victory. Uh, Vegas doesn't think the Raiders have a shot against Pittsburgh. 
They thought they had a shot against Baltimore because Baltimore came in very injured, but now the Raiders have a lot going against them other than the momentum of the win. The momentum of the win really should drive that team. And being over there today, you can tell people are excited. That's a game that they think they can win, and they should think they can win. Pittsburgh is not a dynasty. This is not one of the best, best teams in football. They're good, uh, but I think the Raiders are good. But with the injuries that are coming down, they're going to have to expose Pittsburgh for their weaknesses. And what's Pittsburgh's weaknesses? I'm putting together notes all week for the pregame show with Eric Allen. Their weakness is their offensive line. That's their weakness. Other than that, they don't have a weakness. They have good receivers. They have Najee Harris, a new running back. They have a Hall of Famer in Big Ben. Please don't come on this show and tell me Big Ben's Big Ben's a weakness. He's a Hall of Famer. And then their defense has got T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward. They got good linebackers. They're very good. So I think the Raiders are going to have to win this game with special teams. I really do. That's the strength that the Raiders have. Carlson and Cole are outstanding. I think field position, I got to see someone run one back or, or run one back 40 or 50 yards like Ruggs. They got to do something in a punt return, Renfro, something big to get it going here because I think that's the only way the Raiders are going to win. I really think the only way the Raiders are going to win this game is a turnover, four field goals, a battle, and they got a swinging chance late in the game to win. I don't think the Raiders are going to run away and hide and blow out Pittsburgh, and I hope that Pittsburgh doesn't get hot and get the fans in the game and the Raiders turn it over and they're buried early in the game and they have to come back because they were down 14 nothing to Baltimore. 14 nothing. And I'm looking at my son who I was at the game with, and he's like, Dad, this is not good. And I'm like, no, it's not. And they got the ball, and if they go up 17-0 or 21-0, it's going to be over because Lamar Jackson could just run out the clock and run out the game. The Raiders sucked it up. They played hard. They made good adjustments. And then Carr had a dominant second half so they could win the game. I don't know what type of game Carr is going to have here because I don't know what the Steelers are going to do. I know the pass rush is going to be so stout and fast that Carr's going to have to get the ball out quickly. I'm very concerned in this game about Derek's ability to hold on to the football with T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt's better than J.J. Watt at strip-sacking the ball. Now, J.J. Watt's a future Hall of Famer, a three-time defensive MVP. He's got a better resume than his brother. But I think the thing that T.J. Watt does better is he strip-sacks the ball when he goes to sack you. What he does is he doesn't care about the sack. He wants the turnover. And that hasn't been a strength of Derek throughout his career. It hasn't. But so far, we're off to a pretty good start here. I would force feed Darren Waller again. Remember I told you before the season started, throw to him in double coverage. Throw it to him in the red zone. Everybody's going to be guarding Waller. That will never change. Get him the football. Get him in early. And then I don't know what's going to happen. This could be a nice Kenyon Drake game. If Drake can catch some balls out of the backfield and run for some first downs, if that happens, then the Raiders have a fighter's chance. I like the Raiders' opportunity to beat Baltimore much more than Pittsburgh. Let me repeat that. I'm rooting for the Raiders. I hope they win. I like their chances better against Baltimore because Baltimore was vastly injured and the Raiders were playing them at home in a hostile environment. Now the Raiders got to play a 10 a.m. game in a hostile environment, Pittsburgh's home opener in a rivalry game. Raiders are going to have to play a clean game, and they're going to have to play much better early than they played against Baltimore. We're putting in the game plan today. I need your opinion right now on how they win the game. 
we celebrated, we partied, we had a great time. Monday night, Tuesday, yesterday, now it's Thursday. We're back to business again on Raider Nation Radio. What do the Raiders need to do to win this game? Give me one key. 702-365-9200. One thing that must happen in this game, which will be the difference in the Raiders getting out of there 2-0 or 1-1. I think a lot of Raider fans are looking to go 2-0. Why not? I think the biggest game in the first quarter. John Gruden taught me initially how to break down the, the quarter of the season. First four games. I said on this air the Raiders would go 2-2. Two and two. I was very happy with 2-2 two and two because the schedule is very tough this year. It's tougher than Kansas City and Tampa Bay. They got a tougher schedule than Tampa Bay. How in God's name does that happen? How do you have a tougher schedule than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They do. So I was like throwing a party, 2-2. Two and two. Come on out, man. I'll buy you beer. But now they're 1-0. Oh. So I'm looking at 3-1. and one. And I think the critical game of all of these is going to be Miami. Because Miami's a payback game from last year, ripping the face mask off the helmet of Ryan Fitzpatrick on the Hail Mary down the sideline. You want to talk about a payback game, that's a payback game. So if the Raiders can beat Baltimore and Miami at home to start the season to get to the first four games, you know, I like the Raiders against Philadelphia. I like them against Chicago. I like them against the Giants. I like them against all these teams. I like them against Cincinnati. But Pittsburgh on the road, all right. I mean, look, Vegas thinks this game's over before it started. Vegas has this as Pittsburgh minus six. Six points here for Pittsburgh. I don't know. I'm not into doing shows where the Raiders lose and they cover. I don't do that. Let, let, the, let the Sharps who are wrong 59% of the time come on and tell you that. And speaking of that, we have Lee Sterling who's going to be joining us too either today or tomorrow, to talk about this game. He put it in his package. Lee gives us three games that he talks about, and he says he's got to play on the Raiders and Steelers. So Lee Sterling, our prognosticator from Paramount Sports. We, I'm going to play a lot of Max Crosby sound today. He's a friend of the show. We didn't play it yesterday. We'll get around to that coming up here in a little bit. Kevin Bollinger is going to join us early in a few minutes because the Raiders are having their media session over in Henderson. Reggie in uh, North Vegas, thanks for calling the flagship. Start us off. JT Dubrick, my guy. I finally found you on AM. I've been saying that every time I call in that I finally found you on the AM. I was so confused on where to go find you. You know, I came here from the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. I'm living here in Vegas. My boys came not long after I got here, but I'm so glad they're here. Now, you asked the question about one thing that'll help them win. I I don't think I could put it in one thing because Mm -hmm. four areas, and you mentioned one. One is, to me, the coaching. These plays, our, our offensive plays, we can't be so predictable. You know, and defensive, too. We can't be so predictable that they can pick us apart because they know how we're set up and we're running it exactly like they see it, right? And then on our offense, same thing. Why can't we come be creative with rugs the way the the KC, I don't even want to say their name, they are with their players, you know? Get them out in the open field quick, quick slant, something. Just get it started and get that guy going. Rugs should be a big uh, point of us winning. But then also, man, our O-line, I don't know what we could do to maintain our O-line without uh, 
Richie in there. But our O-line, if y'all can keep my boy D.C. standing up and, 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 and off his back, man, I think that'll do a lot for us to really put some damage against uh, Pittsburgh. I think we're better than Pittsburgh. I just know that we have uh, holes in our better areas, the areas where we need to be best. We have holes in those areas. But, man, tell me this. What you think about how surgical Carr got at the end of that game? At the end of the game, he was a surgeon, man. So I think we could do it. I, I'm expecting them to win. And and the hell with all these people that's prognosticating and saying that the Raiders are going to be 0-4. Do you know they saying that we was going to be 0-4 yeah, out the gate? Get out of here with that. I'm expecting 3-1, and just like you, JT. And before I go, man, I saw you out in Ohio. I, I don't know why I felt like you weren't approachable at the moment when I saw Ohio? you. Ohio? What, 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 Ohio? What are you talking about? Did you go to the – maybe that wasn't you. No, it wasn't me. I thought me. you was at the Hall of Fame game. Oh, no? I was. Yeah, I was at the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, you should have stopped. Yeah, that's, what I, that's what I'm talking about. Well, come say hello, man. I was right there. I was there all weekend, man. Come say hi. I'll never pass up the opportunity again. It was it was kind of like I thought your family was with you, and I didn't want to bomb rush no, you. Oh, so that's I, fine, man. My wife was I'll cool. As long as you bring I'll me a beer, cut through the line. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. One Nation. You got it. Yeah, stop on by. I had a great time in Canton. Brought my wife and hung out and had a great time there. That was a fabulous trip. And I plan on going back to Canton because Cliff Branch is going to get in next year. And Cliff Branch better get in this this upcoming year, so we're back in Canton again. Man, do I have Canton dialed in after going all these years. If we could be a part of the Cliff Branch celebration, that would be one heck of a Raiders road trip. Could be one of the best because a lot of people have such strong feelings about Cliff, including his best friend, Mark Davis, that I think it could be as good as any party we've been to. And I was at Stabler's and Flores, and those parties were unbelievable. So let's just hope for the best there with Cliff Branch. Kevin Bollinger joins us, sports director at Fox 5 before the media session. And, Kevin, I'm sure you'll ask questions or you'll see it today, the injuries. Again, the Raiders in this offensive line, it was like that last year after Carolina and the Trent Brown fiasco as he started breaking down. And now Denzel Good's gone and the Raiders have to go off practice squad and signing guys off of other rosters. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be kind of one of those makeshift offensive lines uh, once again. It, it, Richie Incognito was not at practice this morning on the field. Uh, and J- Jermaine Elamore, the one who's going to be uh, kind of slotting into his spot, is meeting with the media here in about an hour. So uh, that's kind of a maybe an indication that Incognito is not going to be ready with that calf injury to play on Sunday in Pittsburgh. And uh, they're going to have uh, two new guards there in that spot. Yeah, and I mean, look, you can take a guard. A guard is traditionally a big body that can run block and pass protect, not on the outside. All they have to do is get that first step and be powerful off the ball here. But it is a concern because, you know, Gabe Jackson is gone and Richie is just not available. And next man up, fortunately, Tom Cable is coaching him. For Derek Carr, this is a big week, I think, going up against Big Ben and his ability to get the ball out quickly. Derek's going to have to be, I think, much more decisive, Kevin, than he was in the first 10 minutes of that last game where he went to the line, he tried to change the play, he was overlooking the defense. I think he's got to break the huddle with confidence on where he's going and get that ball out quickly. No question. I think uh, Derek Carr's a little overamped, maybe, uh, in that first quarter of the game on Monday night. 
And then once he settled down, uh, then obviously things uh, went very well in terms of 435 passing yards. But I think the Raiders need to establish the run in this game against the Steelers. Uh, and, and if they do that, even with the, the two new guards there in place, uh, that'll help Carr settle in as well if they're able to run the football. They threw the football and went to empty backfield sets a lot more than I was certainly anticipating in that game. Uh, and I think that if Josh Jacobs is close to uh, 100% healthy, he also was not on the practice field today, uh, then I think that that's going to help kind of maybe settle things in if Jacobs can, can slide in there and be effective early. Kevin Bollinger joins us, Fox 5. You uh, sent out a tweet of Yannick Ngakwe's right hamstring being heavily wrapped, but he was at practice. I was a bit surprised by that. I was over there today with Coach Gruden, and here's a guy that, I don't know, if he can go, you let him go, but if not, if you sit him out in a game like this for games down the road, I could live with that. He's too important of a player to do further damage to that hammy. Yeah, and, you know, in watching him, uh, once they moved from the stretching period in the indoor facility to, to outdoors when they were running some some drills with the individual groups. He actually looked pretty mobile uh, in terms of the work that he was getting uh, with that hamstring wrapped up. So I think if, if he has a chance to go, I think that they're going to go with him. Obviously, he knows this Pittsburgh Steelers team really well mm-hmm. uh, and would be somebody who, who would be uh, a big benefit to, to have on that field. But like you said, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you want to make sure it's not going to be something that's going to keep lingering on when you got a 17-game schedule. Kevin Bollinger's our guest. You had an exclusive interview with Zay Jones after that game-winning overtime catch. How special is that? I mean, you're in, it's Monday night. It's Monday night football. It's a legendary finish, and Zay Jones makes that catch. And he was a guy that was hyped up throughout the entire offseason by not only the coach but the quarterback. Yeah, you know, he only had two catches in the game, but, uh, boy, that last one was big. And, and even, you know, 25 minutes after the game was over when we got a chance to, to talk to him one-on-one, uh, the smile was just beaming on his face. This kid was so excited uh, that, that he was able to come through. And and uh, as you know, he's one of the most popular guys in the locker room. Everybody loves this guy. And they expect him to, to do big things here with the Raiders. And they're hoping that this is kind of a springboard uh, for him to be a possible target for Derek Carr uh, as we go through the season here. And, and the, the more effective those receivers are uh, that are put, putting up big numbers, it really gives Carr a, a lot of options where he doesn't have to target Waller as much as he did on Monday night if he can get some guys open on the outside. Kevin Bollinger is our guest. He is the sports director at Fox 5 TV, the affiliate right here in Vegas. You know, wrapping this up, uh, you mentioned the two catches by him, and Ruggs had a few big catches, and Brian Edwards had two receptions on that drive with no time left with 37 seconds to go to set up that game-tying field goal to push the game into overtime. That was incredible. When you think of all the players on the field and all the guys that Carr could have went to, he goes back-to-back to to Edwards as he clocks the ball. That shows a lot of confidence that he had, and he told us about with him this offseason. It it really does go back to the confidence factor, and it goes back to those workouts at Olympic Park in Southern Highlands that those guys were doing uh, you know, February on before OTA started, uh, working with chemistry with with all the receivers and, and building that comfort level to another level with Derek Carr. And you know, even though some of those guys did go home for maybe a little bit in the off season, they worked a lot as a unit with Carr to, to make sure that there was kind of that that level where there's going to be confidence in Derek Carr to get them the ball in key situations. 
And the fact that Brian Edwards, especially over the middle, where they were able to still kind of manipulate the clock, but there was some space in the open open part of the field, and that was where Brian Edwards was, and, and Carr had the confidence to go to him rather than try and squeeze something in on the sidelines to maybe somebody that's uh, maybe a little bit more established just shows how this wide receiver group is growing and, and they're gelling with Carr as, as they move through. Hey, Kevin, I don't have a good perspective on game day being in there early and leaving late, but you talk to a lot of people and you have a big team over at Fox 5. How did it all go? What's been the feedback of Monday Night Football from the Hacienda Bridge to coming in with the clear app to everybody staying and having a good time and being rewarded with a late game deep into overtime? I think Vegas gets a thumbs up for overall performance. What are you hearing? No question. I think the organization, from what I'm hearing, was thrilled with uh, how things went in terms of just getting people in and out and, and the overall atmosphere. Were there a couple of hiccups? Sure. And there's always going to be in a first home game of the season. But considering uh, all of the circumstances with the, the clear app and, and the first time with a, a full house getting people in and out and using the bridge, I think uh, the number I heard was that there were upwards of 30,000 people that used the Hacienda Bridge that came over from the Strip area. Uh, everything seemed to go fairly smoothly. Didn't hear a lot of complaints, didn't see a lot of complaints on social media. And the fact that they're kind of selling the fact of get there early, stay there late, enjoy it, have a you know have a, a late drink after the game before you try to deal with the traffic situation. I think everything went really well, and I, the Raiders were impressed with how Las Vegas kind of uh, heated uh, what they wanted you know people to do to get there early. They had a, more people inside the stadium early than they ever have had when they were in Oakland or Los Angeles because people wanted to get through the process and make sure that they were there at the start of the game, and that really made things run smooth and made it for a better night for, for everybody, for the fans, for the organization, and really showed off Las Vegas really well. Thanks for making time for us every other Thursday around this time, especially with media availability right there. Thanks for doing this, Kevin. You got it, JT. Thank you. Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5 here in Vegas. Brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Modelo Especial is brewed with time, effort, and determination to create the model Mexican lager. Everyone knows that hard work deserves a fitting reward. I love Modelo. Bucket of Modelos. Look at your watch. Around 2.30 tomorrow. Look, I got, I got Actually, the Modelo guys who are listening are bringing me a new bucket. So we can do the JT bucket photo because people are coming up to me on the pregame show with Modelo's handing him. I cannot drink on the job early in the pregame show. I can have a cerveza during the game. You know how much I paid for those tickets in the Twitch club? I'm going to have a cerveza here and there, but I got to do the post game afterwards. So, you know, drink responsibly. Have one here on game day. You know, when I got my tickets to the Raiders a couple of years ago, I've been waiting to have a dripping ice-cold Modelo in the Modelo Club or the Twitch Lounge, especially after a victory, after a victory. And one of the things I talked about with Coach Gruden today, when, you got to feel out Coach Gruden in an interview because he comes in, he's always excited. But then he's got to get back to work. And if you saw the first one I did with him, which was a long one, he wrapped me up. Said, I, I got to get back to the Ravens, JT. And he was right. This one, we started it off, and we'll hear it here tomorrow exclusively right here. But we started off the interview talking about the victory and how he enjoyed it, how he enjoyed it with the team. And then he almost came out of the chair in happiness talking about the rivalry and what he saw as a little boy 
on television between the Raiders and the Steelers. We'll have that interview coming up a little bit later on tomorrow. One of the most famous Raiders of all time in the history of this rivalry is Phil Villapiano. Because Phil was on the field during the Immaculate Reception and got clipped. Phil would have made the tackle. When Franco caught the ball, okay, there was chaos ensuing. Phil went to Franco and was clipped. He will explain to you what happened during the Immaculate Reception. And that's coming up here in a few moments, so stick around for that. The guys from Wahoo's Fish Taco are coming in studio to feed the crew here today. We're excited about that as we are thrilled to have them as a proud partner of the show. And then a little bit later on, Kurt Busch, who is promoting NASCAR, the playoffs, and he's got an opportunity. He's going to have to finish the race this week. He's on the cusp. He's in the playoffs, but he's got to – he can't get eliminated from this race. He'll be out of the playoffs. Really surprised we were able to get him today. Uh, Jeff Motley came through and the team over at the Speedway. So we'll talk to him whenever he has free time to call in. All right. Thanks to Kevin for coming in. Who's talking today, Bobby? I think Gus Bradley? We'll cut up maybe that a little bit. I want to hear what Gus has to say about that defense because his defense has got to play better. K.J. Wright, Denzel Perryman, Littleton, Kwiatkowski, Defense is going to have their hands full. But this isn't a legendary Pittsburgh offense that they're facing. Hopefully the Raiders hang in this game and turn it over a few times. Yeah, I tell, you know, I, I always tell everybody the best you'll ever feel is the day before, you know, week one, you know, and then after that, it's all just fighting your way to get back to as best as you can for the next game. And, you know, whether that's, you know, 50%, 75%, whatever you can get to, I mean, you just try and fight your best each week to try and feel your best. It's, it's a process. It is a fight. It is a grind that you literally have. It's, there's so much ahead, but you have to take it one day at a time or, you know, you'll, you'll go crazy, you know, and uh, I've had my fair share of injuries in this league, and I know that other guys have too, but, you know, after, after week one, everybody's battling just to get fresh for the game. No one wants the Raiders' season to be defined by injuries. We don't want that. Last year was that. It was COVID. Last year was COVID. That was the whole story. The entire year, that was the whole story. Now, knock wood, we don't have any COVID issues to talk about. Other teams do. The Saints have six coaches in COVID protocol. They have an issue happening. And there's going to be other teams that have issues when it comes to COVID protocol. But the injuries, I'm just shocked that Marcus Mariota is not available. I really am. Because this is the type of game that you could use Marcus in some type of pistol package to do something and maybe change direction in the game. And I am concerned about Derek being healthy in this game. I'm very concerned because of T.J. Watt. I'd rather be conservative and get the ball out and run it and shorten the game than have Derek throwing the ball as many times as he did against Baltimore. You do that against T.J. Watt, he's going to get you. He's going to get you one of the plays, and he is ferocious. 702-365-9200. If you want to get through, we got room for you before Phil Villapiano. Kevin in Kentucky, thanks for waiting on the Raiders app. Hello. Hey, JT. Thanks for taking my call, man. Thank you. Um, look, real quick on uh, Marcus Mariota, man. I think we're paying him too much money not to be available. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the keys to this game, though, is going to be the offense and defensive line, man. If we can't get an interior rush from Ben, when he steps up and we're not hitting him, we're going to have a problem. 
Well, um, I, I think the then, I think the interior rush is is the strength of this team in that first game. But whatever you're doing in the background, hold off for a second. Whatever whatever they did in the sorry, first sorry, game, no now words. now Yannick Ngakwe's got a hamstring injury and Gerald McCoy's out. So I think they're going to have to be a little bit more exotic with their blitz packages. They're going to have to do a lot of things in this cover three, or Ben's going to just throw underneath and rip them apart. No, exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. We're going to have to have that rush. Um, and then on the offensive side, of, you know, Miller and Alex Wood are going to have to step up. You know, they're going to have to slow down uh, T.J. Watts. I, I don't see them stopping him completely. I think yeah. Derek Carr is going to get hit. So I think with you know as far as him throwing the ball, it's gonna have to be quick, quick slants. You know, get rugs mm-hmm. five, ten yards out, and hopefully he can make something happen. Same with Waller. Absolutely. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I love what you said about the slants and getting rugs going early. This could be a big rugs game. It really could. Behind the line of scrimmage and getting him going. This guy played in the Steelers rivalry as good as anyone. Raider legendary linebacker Phil Villapiano. As, Phil, the Raiders are coming your way to take on your rival coming off a victory. How good does that sound? Uh, JT, well, first of all, I I want to get to Pittsburgh, but before I get to Pittsburgh, can I tell you the Raiders played the best football game I've seen them play in 20 years last uh, Monday night. I was so happy. They played great. They fought hard. My man Crosby, the last, the last quarter, the defensive line, unbelievable linebackers making tackles. Rod, guy's catching the ball. Carr can, you know, get his timing. This Raider team, the, the, they, they sent a message, JT. I think they sent a message. This team could be good. You know, Phil. We're going go, to go to Pittsburgh and kick their little butts, and then the whole – the whole league's going to be upside down. You know what I love, Phil? I love how they finished their hits on Lamar Jackson, and he fumbled. Carl Nassib, oh, you, yeah. men- you mentioned Crosby. Not only did they get to the quarterback, but they were violent when they got to the quarterback. And I think that's what you're suggesting. Yes. The physicality of the game was a lot more physical than a lot of Raider games you've commented on in the past where the defense disappeared late in the game. I totally, uh, uh, JT, you hit it. The physicality, they roughed them up. One guy, two guys, three guys hitting people. That's what we need. We talk about team defense. Get down there, make a tackle, get up, get back in huddle and do it again. No no showboat and none, you know, no running around with your hands in the air when you're losing by 30 points. These guys played to win. I loved it. Um, the, the defensive coordinator had a, a scheme. He stuck with it. It worked. And now he's got to get another scheme for the Steelers this weekend, which I think is going to be easier than last week. Phil Villapiano, Raiders linebacking legend, joins us. So you've taken me through it many times privately, but when you talked about the immaculate reception and getting clipped on that play and Franco Harris making that play and the ball hit the ground, which we all agree, I want you to take our listeners through your eyesight and what you saw on that play, pre-snap, down in distance, what was happening. You've chronicled this on NFL Network many times before NFL Films. Take me through breaking the huddle on defense on the final play in the Immaculate Reception. Well, JT, you got to remember the Raiders in those days, we were noted for penalties 
and they weren't stupid penalties, but they were t- penalties where we, and, and especially on the road, you have to be careful about hitting. You have to be careful about holding. So I remember we had this little, uh, a little kind of like a zone man-to-man thing that we were using, and uh, it would hook um, me and the other linebacker of Gerald Irons. We would hook up on the running backs. Gerald had, had uh, Frenchie Fuqua. I had Franco man-to-man. And, you know, we just said, you know, we, we so we called the defense. That took about two seconds. And then I remember the guys in the huddle, no penalties, no penalties. That's all we said. We're out of here. We're going to win this game. We're moving on to Miami. And guess what? It Then, you know, JT, the play unfolded the way it did. And I, you know, Jack Tatum, as you know, we all know he would never go and knock a ball down when he can knock a person down. So he rams right through the back of Frenchie Fuqua. The ball bounces in the air. I remember seeing it go go right over my head to where I was. And all of a sudden, I turn. I see Franco go down. I see him drop the ball on the ground. I'm making a move. And it... No, don't, don't. Phil, you there? Let me make a ball. Yes, I am. Am I in yeah. a bad area? No, no, you're good now. So you said you looked over your head, you turned around, the yeah, ball look, hit the ground, and then pick it up from there. Yeah, and Franco, his hands were right around the ball. I go to make the play, which I think I could have made the play. I'm sure I could have made the play. And the guy, bam, right in the back of my knees, and I didn't fall down. If I fell down, maybe we get a flag. And all of a sudden, he was gone. You know, he was off and running, faded away, and uh, all our guys were, I think we were celebrating. <laughs> I don't know what half of our team was doing, but uh, only Jimmy Warren was around to, you know, try and stop him. But uh, it was all so fast. And, JT, the craziest thing, when John Madden was screaming and yelling on the sideline and calling the refs over, coming out on the field, I'm like, What's he talking about? What you know? What's he yelling about? Because I knew John knew something, but I don't think the referees or ninety nine percent of the people in that stadium knew the offense to offense rule. Mm-hmm. And John Madden knew it, and he saw it. He knew Tatum hit him right in the back, and the ball bounced, and the offense caught it. The play should have been ruled dead. So you know, besides the holding on the line of scrimmage. Besides uh, Franco trapping the ball, besides me and getting clipped, the referees didn't even know how to call the play. It was it was like uh, the perfect storm against the Raiders. Phil, and, uh, yeah, yeah, Phil, what's amazing to me is that was such a devastating loss. And the players that you kept together, the majority of them, and the coach, probably the toughest, was it fair to say, was that the toughest plane ride home? of your entire career that was at the most bitter and upset you ever were getting on a plane on a cross country flight. Yeah, it was, it was no good. JT. I'll never forget that Bobby Moore and I, you know, sitting next to each other. We, we, we couldn't even believe it happened. And, you know, we were like, we got screwed. We, you know, we just, we got screwed and it, and it was just terrible. But yeah, you know, 
it's the way it was. Yeah. I remember that was my second year. I played so hard that year. My body was so beat up. I w- you know, but it don't matter how beat up you are. You just want to play one more game. And I couldn't care less about my body. And I, mean, I remember talking about that to Bob, and we were all beat up because that's the way it was in the NFL in those days. You know, hard. It was hard, tough games, especially against Pittsburgh. You know it was going to be a brutal afternoon no matter what. And then to lose like that, it was just terrible. Phil Villapiano yeah, as we so wrap it up. Hey, Phil, you know, what's interesting that came out of it. It is what it is, and it's a, it's a loss that will stay with you forever. But the beauty of the relationship that you built with Franco – I never asked you when did that yeah. start. When did that start after that play? Because I understand you guys were on the banquet circuit and you guys had this unbelievable chemistry when you were talking about this play. But when did the bond with you and Franco go to the next level, where this guy became one of your dear friends in life, and you guys both love each other and consider each other family? Yeah, we do. Matter of fact, I'll be with him on Sunday in Pittsburgh, big guy. So, are you in Pittsburgh? JP? I'm not. I'm, I'm holding. Down, I'm, I'm, I'm holding the fourth oh, down no, in Vegas. Oh, no, you need to make this trip, JT. You are the good luck charm of the Oakland, uh, the Oakland, <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. You know. But anyway, so listen to this. We go. I I get to be in 1971. I'm the Italian. Um, the Italian player of the year, and that's, that was a big Italian club in Trenton. In 1972, Franco's rookie year, he becomes the Italian uh, uh, player of the year, and they're honoring him. And I was in California, but my father and mother went to the went to the uh, dinner to honor Franco, and Franco's mother is front right outside in Naples, like my father. And they spoke the same dialect. Oh. So they, at this dinner, they're talking Italian. I guess it was hilarious. Franco was there. He was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and my father was about five foot six or something. You know, little Italian guy getting along with Franco's mother. And Franco and I, I think probably the next year we both make the Pro Bowl. And that's when we finally get to meet each other and like each other. And it was really cool that we talked about our mother and father talking Italian together. And so we had a nice relationship. We did the Pro Bowl thing. And then, you know, then all the years that we played against each other. Matter of fact, JG, I think you remember in 77 when I, 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 get, I get hurt in Pittsburgh, but I didn't know I was hurt. Mm-hmm. And my knee, this guy hits my knee. The next play, I'm covering Franco, and I went. he made a move on me. I stuck my foot in the ground and pivoted, and my knee bone just came right out at the socket, and I grabbed him and pulled him down, and he goes, Billy, what are you doing? And I said, Franco, look at my knee. And you looked down at my knee, and the bone was sticking out the side. Oh. It was one of the most disgusting things you ever want to see. And he, and he helped me up, and I got to the sideline, and that was the end of me for 1977. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, so Franco, we, we always played very hard against each other, but we loved playing against each other because, you know, when you're in, the, you're in the league, you think good and he thinks he's good, you always want to play against the best players. And uh, that, that kept us going. And now, uh, you know, in our 40 years of retirement, we've done the Immaculate Reception many times. Matter of fact, JT, I think you remember we – you did a little interview with Franco yes. on the 
right on the field when, when I brought him out there a couple years ago after he got inducted into the black hole, which I did them. I We got him inducted into the black hole because he got me inducted into Franco's Italian Army back in <laughs> Pittsburgh on the 40th, 40th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception when they dedicated that statue to him in the parking lot. I was there. I represented the Raiders. It was awesome. a lot of fun. So, and Phil, last thing is I, keep, I don't have the stories like I, you do. I don't have the stories like you do. I have, a, I have some good ones, but I always tell when I took you and Franco onto the field and, you know, you had your daughter with you and Franco had a little bit of an entourage and everybody, they come up to me on the field and they're like, JT, he's got to have a credential, man. We, we, we can't let him... And I look, I forget who it was. It wasn't Bedane at the time. He was cool with it. He was laughing. Someone said, I go, it's Franco Harris. I go, no, no, he doesn't have to have it. He's here. He's in the building. He's on the field. He's allowed to walk. And he walks right up to Coach Gruden. You and Franco walk up to Coach Gruden and pick it up from there how excited Coach Gruden was right before kickoff to see you and Franco walking out on the 50-yard line. Oh, I know. That was that was wonderful, JT. And, and, and you know, and even the Raiders, they put, remember, they put Franco up on the board yes. and welcomed Franco Harris. And, you know, here we were standing there. And John Gruden had the biggest smile on his face. You know, he's a great guy, and he loves, he loves old-time football. He saw me and Franco partying up with each other like that. It was just a natural, beautiful thing. And, and then we kicked our ass that day, <laughs> which we're going to do this Sunday. And we beat him that day, and it was wonderful. And, uh, you know, Franco you know, actually told me yesterday, J.T., he was rooting for us last Monday night because he wanted us to beat Baltimore. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, he was rooting for us last week, and we gave him such a nice, um, you know, reception in Oakland. It was, it was wonderful. It was. When he, when he walked onto that field, it, it felt wonderful. Thanks, Phil. So, have a have a great day. have a great tailgate. I know you'll be out in the parking lot with the Raider Nation. Have a great game. Uh, we'll have you back next week. All the time when they win the game, get a win for the Raider Nation for two and zero against the Steelers. It would be a glorious week in the Raider Nation, Phil, if you can pull that victory out. All right, JT. I'm going to be there. I'll be rooting hard, and I think we're going to do it. And I'll see you back for the uh, for the uh, Dolphin game. Wow, coming back again. There he is, Phil Villapiano, coming back for the Dolphin game. I mean, if you're an alumni of this team and the alumni say, hey, would you like to go to a game? You get on a plane from New Jersey and you come to the Dolphin game. Long interview with Phil Villapiano on the, on the view of the immaculate reception from him. Imagine the Tatum with the hit on Fuqua. Ball goes over Phil's head. You see it in the video. Phil turns around. He's got Franco. He's going after Franco gets clipped. Clip doesn't go down, and Franco scores, and then the chaos ensues. Really good analysis of that play, and Phil went on to get his Super Bowl and have multiple Pro Bowls and have a great career and a friendship that will last for life. Two legends hanging out this Sunday in Pittsburgh. Can you imagine if Phil calls in back-to-back weeks and the Raiders go 2-0? and I'm going to hook him up with one of our sponsors, I can tell you that. JT, we continue. Wahoo's Fish Taco at the top of the hour.
22 seconds remaining. And Bradshaw is back and looking again. Bradshaw running out of the pocket, looking for somebody to throw to, fires it downfield, and there's a collision. That's got it's cut out of the air. The ball is pulled in by Franco Harris. Harris is going for a touchdown for Pittsburgh. Harris is going. Five seconds left on the clock. Franco Harris pulled in the football. I don't even know where it came from. That was the call from the Steelers' side of it. Think of how that play sounded, what John Madden must have been going through. JT, the immaculate deception. Phil Villapiano was fantastic as we continue on. I play that to kind of teach the Raider fans new to the market in Vegas, something that we've always done. We're trying to figure out how to tell the Raider fans who were here who didn't see that back in the day, weren't even alive, how big of a deal that was. 702-365-9200, Gangsta Raider. Thanks for waiting. You're up next. Go ahead. JT. Hey, what's up, JT? It's Gangsta Raider. I just want to say I agree with you. I think that um, we can win this Sunday in Pittsburgh, but I think it's going to be even easier um, when we beat Baltimore because I think we play better on the road because it it forces us to focus. We got to focus in and on the road, always we always start off better, it seems like, on the road than we do at home. It seems like, especially since we've been in Vegas. And um, also, I think we're going to have to do a lot of um, quick screens. And remember when Gruden first came, um, the first time in Oakland, he used to do a lot of screen passes. I think we need to do that, especially with um, J.J. Watt, because mm-hmm. he's going to try to penetrate real quick. So a lot of screen classes to get the ball to um, Derek Carr hands um, will help the situation. So we get a lot of screen, quick screen classes, and like you say, um, slant passes to Ruggs and um, um, Kenyon Drake. Rick. Yeah, Drake and Renfo too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of those. And also, I think it's 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 we gonna have to load manage with incognito. So I think if we get him to play this game because we gonna need his nasty. I noticed when he play, um, Cole Miller plays way nastier when um, incognito play. And I think the same will happen with Leatherwood. So mm-hmm. I think we need um, incognito for this game. Rest him next game and then bring him back again for the Charger game. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, go, I disagree with you. Incognito's not a practice. He's not practicing every day, so he can't play. I mean, if he does, he's going to be very limited. He's not even out of practice. So if he's not at okay. practice, he well, can't anyway, play. Anyway, well, forget about him. Mm-hmm. Well, I think our defensive line can eat, though, too, because I watched mm-hmm. the game last yeah. night, the Pittsburgh game and um, Buffalo game, and I think our defense is better than the Buffalo defense, and we should be able to stifle the day offense, especially with their offensive line. Their offensive line have more problems than off offensive line. So I think for those three reasons, I think we'll have a, a either a even easier chance of going two and zero than we had against Baltimore. I think it'll be an easier win wow. um, against Pittsburgh than against Baltimore. You know what I'm okay. saying? That's, Pre- appreciate the call, my friend. Got to run. I'm at the top of the hour. Thanks for the call, as always. Gangster Raider. I don't agree. I think this is a tougher game than Baltimore because Baltimore was injured. Pittsburgh's fresher. Pittsburgh's at home. And the Raiders are on a shorter week. The Raiders are going to have to play exceptional, exceptional to win this game. Wahoo's Fish Taco, Las Vegas, all their great locations. They came in studio today. Stick around. We'll promote our brand new partner here on the flagship, Raider Nation Radio, coming up next. 